between the regular season and the bowl season, but we've still got plenty for you here in Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and being a part of the show. It's always great to have you on board. So, And before we dive into it, guys, please take a minute out. That's all it'll take, 60 seconds. Leave us a uh, five-star rating and review. It helps the show tremendously. We are growing because of you. We have uh, big ideas with this show because of you. We are not stopping in the offseason. We go all year round, 12 months, baby. Football, some basketball going to be mixing in here come January. So a lot of great stuff on the Big 12 coming your way. Take a minute, leave us that rating and review, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return when you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. What I want to do is spend uh, just the first few minutes of this show going through the four teams whose seasons have come to an end in the Big 12. That's TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and uh, Kansas. And just look back on the highs, the lows, but also tell you the one name that I associate this 2019 season with for each of these teams. So let's get right to it and start with the TCU Horned Frogs. I look back on this TCU season, and the name that I continue to think about is Sonny. That's Sonny Cumbie, the offensive coordinator for the TCU Horned Frogs, who seem to be uh, at odds a couple of times this year with Gary Patterson. You know, they had their moments on the sidelines that, you know, those of us that were watching the games noticed. And then, of course, you had a lot of questions around what Sonny Cumbie's future was going to be with the TCU Horn Frogs and where it was going to go from here. Because let's be honest, the offense has not uh, been up to snuff here the past couple of seasons. The defense has been solid, but the offense has uh, not been up to snuff. So I got to be honest, I'll be surprised if Sonny Cumbie is the offensive coordinator for the TCU Horn Frogs in 2020. And in many ways, this TCU season was defined by Sonny Cumbie, for better or for worse. And I think about the high moments for the season uh, for TCU. And I know some of you might want to say Texas was the high point. I think it was Purdue. You know, I think back to that Purdue game. And maybe Purdue wasn't as good a team as we thought they might be. But you go on the road to a Big Ten opponent. And, you know, you're still unsure what's going on at quarterback. And you whack some 34-13. to uh, That's something you have to look at and say, geez, you know what? I mean, TCU's back, baby. The up-down season has come to an end. That's not the case anymore. But no, I'm just following this Purdue game, and I'm saying to myself, you know, TCU's going to be in the mix. Not that I thought they were going to win the Big 12 title, but they're going to be in the conversation here uh, throughout the season, and it just didn't happen and did not work out, and it was wildly uh, disappointing to see the season unfold the way it did. By the time the Texas game came around, you knew what TCU was, right? Like, you knew what the team was. It was a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team that got a really good win uh, against Texas, and and that was kind of it at that point. But for Purdue, I'm like, dang, go on the road, beat a Big 10 opponent um, who we think is going to be decent, and away you go. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way uh, for the TCU Horn Frogs. Now the low point of the year for TCU, and to me, it's just it's not close. And that is Black Friday, West Virginia, two touchdown favorites, losing 20-17. to I understand that for Gary Patterson, he's like, hey, you know what? Um, let's just get the season over with. I can now hit the recruiting trail. I don't have to worry about the bowl game. Let's just move on. But first off, for these kids, especially for these seniors, I'm sure they wanted to play in a bowl game to you know, end their careers. 
And on top of that, you're a two-touchdown favorite, more importantly, and you lost the game at home. You know, senior day, in front of your home crowd, you lose the game as a two-touchdown favorite. That's a bad loss, especially when you had bowl eligibility on the line and they had nothing on the line. You know, I mean, West Virginia was not fighting for bowl eligibility at that point. There was nothing on the line for the Mountaineers. And they lost the game 20-17. to Once again, the offense just could not get it going. So, you know, I think back on this year, and while I was a firm believer from day one, I mean, from Big 12 media days, I think back to when I said that Max Duggan was going to be the starter. And the reason I said that at the time was because when I talked to Gary Patterson, he told me directly, you know, I asked him this. I said, where do you stack up Max Duggan as a true freshman? And does being a true freshman hurt him? And he said, no, because when these guys enroll early, like, I don't, I don't worry about that. When you enroll early, you're basically, uh, you know, redshirting that spring semester. And by the time you, you know, come back for summer camp, you're a redshirt freshman. Like, he's like, I, I, don't, I don't let that be a factor at all. So I was all pro Max Duggan all year. But Max Duggan as a passer did not develop throughout the year like I, I hoped he would. Now, he got better with his legs. He started using his legs more effectively and that gave him more options, so that was exciting. But I didn't think that I saw the development as a passer that I wanted to see. And once again, how much of that is Cumbie and the staff? How much of that is you know just Duggan maybe being limited? I, I don't know. I don't know. But the offensive questions are real for TCU. And if this team wants to go from being you know five and seven, six and six next year, uh, just like they were the past two years, then that side of the ball's got to get figured out. Um, so that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines to follow here in the offseason in the Big 12, and that is what is Gary Patterson doing with that side of the ball? What is he doing with his coordinator uh, role there? And we'll be following it here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Next, let's go to West Virginia. The name I think of, and I'm kind of cheating here, but the name I think of is Stills. Now that can be applied two different ways. I can apply stills two different ways because guess what? It works for Dante and it works for Darius. But those two guys made this defense this year. Now, they had a lot of good defensive players. I don't want to overlook anybody else in the defense, but they were obviously the leaders, uh, you know, in sacks, tackles for loss, and they gave this defense an edge and, and you know, they proved their worth as leaders as well. Darius Stills was very vocal on social media, you know, being optimistic, supporting the team, supporting the guys, you know, hang with us there, Mountaineer Nation. Uh, we're going to come back better than ever. I mean, they were very, especially Darius, very vocal on social media about where this program is and the direction of it moving forward. And for two homegrown guys, that's exciting to see and exciting to watch. And that's why uh, I think of Stills and that name when I associate it with this 2019 West Virginia Mountaineers uh, football season. Now let's dive into the highs and the lows uh, from this year for the Mountaineers. The high for me, it wasn't TCU at the end of the season. It was the K-State game. Saturday, November 16th, you go into Bill Snyder Family Stadium against a top 25 team, and you beat them 24-20 to in that game. And this was in the midst of a five-game losing streak, by the way. A five-game losing streak. He had just come off a loss at home, 38-17 to Texas Tech. And you go on the road and you beat a Kansas State team that wins eight games and um, spent part of the season ranked in the top 25 and had beaten Oklahoma. 
that is so darn impressive to me because by the time you got to the TCU game for West Virginia, you had a little juice already, right? Like you're already feeling good about things. Um, you had that win against K-State under your belt, so you had a little confidence. You had just lost a close game to Oklahoma State at well. You were feeling better in that final game against TCU. But going into that Kansas State game, you know, there's very little reason for optimism based on what had happened the last few weeks. You had lost by 11 to Texas. You had lost by 24 to Iowa State. You had lost by 38 to Oklahoma. You had a nice three-point loss against Baylor, and then you had a 21-point loss to Texas Tech. Four of five games, you had lost by double digits. I mean, there was not a lot of reason to sit there and say, yep, we're going to go to Manhattan and get a win. And West Virginia did it. And they did it in impressive fashion. And it was fun to watch. It was exciting to watch. And you know what? If you're a West Virginia fan, you look back on that game and say, that was the start of the turnaround. Because then you played Oklahoma State to a possession, and then you beat TCU to close the season going 2-1 uh, and one in those final three games. And that's what gives you a lot, a lot of offseason optimism for Neil Brown on this Mountaineers program. Now for the low point of the year for the uh, West Virginia Mountaineers. It was actually the week before K-State. As I just mentioned, Texas Tech beating up on the Mountaineers 38-17 in a game that, you know, in many ways, the score might have indicated a closer game than it actually was, if you recall how that game went down. And it capped off a five-game losing streak. You were sitting there as a West Virginia fan saying, okay, now we're closing the year at K-State versus Oklahoma State at TCU. We're going to end the season on an eight-game losing streak, and we're going to be wondering where this program is going. Well, you can't say that anymore. You just can't. You win two of those three, and despite the fact that Tech was the low point in the year, guess what? It got turned around after that. So the low and the high are in back-to-back weeks. That is obviously pretty rare. But you know what? If you're a West Virginia fan, you got to be looking at things and saying to yourself, I feel good. I feel Now, I don't feel great, right? I mean, I'm not sitting here like you were a couple of years ago saying, hey, can Will Greer and Dana Olgerson win the Big 12? No one's going to say that about West Virginia next season. I'm sorry, Mountaineers fans. No one's going to say it about you. But you're going to be sitting here and saying, okay, bull eligibility. Let's get there. Uh, Jared Dagey, I feel good about my quarterback. I feel good about a lot of things. And those are reasons to be optimistic as the season you know, came to an end, obviously, in the last couple of weeks. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. The other two teams in the Big 12 whose seasons are over, Texas Tech and Kansas. We'll get to them and a whole lot more coming up on the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and as we keep it rolling, we talk stats all the time on this show, right? And did you know that 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff? 80% of women think men should manscape. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. That's from Business Wire. Well, that's why we're proud that support for Heartland College Sports comes from Manscaped who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. How about that play on words? You guys like that? That's why the revolutionary Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag in the place you don't want to nick or snag, right? It's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower. 
it's exactly what you're looking for, especially as you go for the uh, you know new year, new me here in 2020. So go get 20% off and free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. Join the other dudes helping themselves with Manscaped with a special offer just for our listeners. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. <laughs> It's Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and being a part of the show. So uh, let's get into, as we've been discussing, the four Big 12 teams whose seasons have come to an end, TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and KU. Let's dive into the two teams we haven't talked about yet and talk about a, a name association I have with the season and then also the high and the low points of this season for these teams. Let's dive into the Texas Tech Red Raiders. This is maybe cliche, but it's telling that the name that I associate with the Texas Tech season is Wells, as in Matt Wells, the head coach. Now, you might say, oh, it's so obvious. Of course, you associate with the head coach. What's the deal? But it's telling, too, that I'm not associating it with a player or a coordinator. Because this team and this program still has yet to be defined under Matt Wells. Now, it lost a lot of close games. If you look at the Texas Tech schedule, and you know this is something we've talked to people about here in the last couple of weeks during the offseason. If you look at the Texas Tech schedule and the close games that they've uh, had throughout the year, Baylor, double overtime, KU, field goal, TCU, two points, K-State, three points. I mean, that's four games right there that could have gone either way, right? And you're looking at uh, maybe eight and four instead of four and eight, or let's just be realistic, six and six instead of four and eight. But this team still doesn't have an identity yet under Matt Wells, right? Like, I'm not sitting here watching this Tech team and saying, oh, classic Texas Tech, high-flying offense, spread them out. Like, I'm not saying that. The defense had its moments with guys like Jordan Brooks, uh, but I'm also not sitting here and saying, Texas Tech, defensive powerhouse. Like, that's not the case either. So what is... The identity. The identity is still whatever Matt Wells wants to make it. They didn't have, you know, Alan Bowman, a quarterback. Jet Duffy was nice, but he's transferring, so you can't say the quarterback defines this team. It still has yet to be defined. And that's on Matt Wells to try to figure out how exactly to define it and and what he wants to define it as and with. So that's why I choose Matt Wells as that person. Now, moving forward, highs and lows from the season for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. The high to me is a pretty obvious one, and that would be uh, Oklahoma State 45-35 win over the uh, 21st-ranked Cowboys. I mean, that was a game that you sit there and you say to yourself, didn't see it coming, exciting moment at home in front of the uh, you know Jones AT&T Stadium crowd, and it just it came out of nowhere, right? Jet Duffy was throwing dimes in that game. Team was looking good. You know, sunny, beautiful day in Lubbock, as I recall, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff. Everything went right in that game. Sure, Oklahoma State tried to make a comeback, but everything really did go right in that game for the Pokes. And uh, it was a big surprise for Texas Tech. Now, if you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, okay, what are the low points from this season? Well, I, I look in one direction, and it's maybe not the direction that many of you expected. It's not the OU lost by 41 or 39 points. Excuse me, bad math there. It's not the Texas lost by 25 points. Nope, it's none of those. 
It's the Baylor loss in double overtime in Waco, Saturday, October 12th. That's the one that's the worst loss of the season because I understand I understand that uh, Tech fans are going to say, hey, you know, the, the phantom botched snap call was a fumble. We got hosed, would have won the game. I understand that. I understand that. And while it wasn't a great call, now Baylor fans are going to say there were calls that went against them in that game, so we can play that tit for tat. Still, to me, that would have been a potentially program-defining win for Matt Wells. Getting back-to-back top 25 wins with your backup quarterback in the middle of the season would have rejuvenated uh, this year for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I just think that if they had won that game, they would have found another game to win. You know, that that game would have given them the confidence to go out there and at least get one more win and be bowl eligible. And that loss seemed to kind of suck the sails out of the season uh, for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And from there, you know, they end up losing six of the last seven games. So it was frustrating. I get it. It was disappointing. But that, to me, is the worst loss of the year for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Not because it's the biggest loss. It's not. We know that. But because of how it defined the rest of the year, how the loss went down, and that's what made it uh, most disappointing. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We are looking at the four Big 12 teams whose seasons have come to an end and uh, looking back on a name association along with the high and low moment from the season. Let's wrap that up with the Kansas Jayhawks. What's the name that I associate with this KU 2019 season? The name is Brent. For yes, Brent Deerman. Brent Deerman, the now offensive coordinator who replaced Les Koenig, who was fired middle of the season. And, you know, while they didn't have great moments every Saturday on offense, I mean, they scored six points in their final game of the year. There were moments where this offense had some nice pizzazz to it. You scored 48 in the loss to Texas. You scored 37 in a win over Texas Tech. You know, you put 31 up on uh, Iowa State. Brent Deerman, while working with the, you know, in terms of skill set, at least, he's got Puka Williams, but in terms of pure skill set, the least amount of skill in the Big 12, uh, he had some really nice games, giving this offense some life that it desperately needs. So I think of Brent Deerman when I think of uh, a name association with this season. And, it, you know, Puka Williams had a nice year. It wasn't uh, maybe the fantasy number type expectations people thought they'd get out of Puka Williams this year. He had a nice year. You know, Carter Stanley was meh. But for Brent Deerman to do it with, with Carter Stanley, I mean, seems like a great guy. But to do it with him at quarterback was even more impressive. You know, and that's that's why I'm excited about what KU might be able to do here moving forward under Les Miles and uh, this coaching staff. And that's assuming Brent Deerman hangs around. Now, for the high point of the year for the KU Jayhawks, it's not the Texas Tech game. It's not. I know they came back from a big deficit. It's the Boston College game on the road, 48-24 win, and here's why. Since that game happened and since Brent Deerman replaced Koenig reports came out that said that game plan for that Boston College game was Brent Deerman's game plan not Koenig's game plan what does that mean that means that it was the moment that Les Miles said okay I should consider a move here so if that win indirectly 
got Brent Deerman the offensive coordinator position at KU, then that's a big deal, and that's worth something. And that's why, to me, that win was bigger than the win over Texas Tech because of what that win led to, what it meant for the Jayhawks moving forward, and what it could mean for 2020 and beyond. And that's what excites me. So, so that's where this season changed. And that's where you look at it and you say to yourself, okay, if you're less miles and you're looking ahead, you got to say to yourself, wow, Brent Deerman, that offense, I can get that performance on a semi-regular basis like what we got in uh, Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts on that Friday night. Sign me up, baby. Let me add him. Now for the low point this season, um, there's a couple of places to go. Some may say the obvious one is Coastal Carolina. Bad loss. No doubt about it, 12-7. But once again, it led to the Boston College game. Brent Deerman uh, led to him getting the OC job. To me, the low point of the year was the final game of the season against Baylor. You know, you're playing a top-10 team, senior day, wrapping up what's likely to be a three-win season. You know, you're not expected to beat Baylor. They're gearing up for a Big 12 championship appearance. But you want to end the season – on at least a bit of a, a high note, doesn't mean you have to win the game, right? Doesn't mean that by any stretch of the imagination. But you wanted to put up a fight. You wanted to end the season on on a, not a high note, but once again, not a sour note. And you have no mojo coming out of that game. None whatsoever. You lose 61-6. to six. You never want your worst loss of the season to be the final game of the season, especially when you're not going to a bowl game and this is it and you're about to go 3-9. and nine. When you're 3-9 and nine and your worst loss is the last game of the season, that's just kind of like salt in the wound, you know? And that's, that's why, to me, that Baylor game and nothing went right on either side of the ball uh, was, was a disappointment, was the low point of the year. Now, there's a lot of places you can go, obviously, for low points this season for KU. But if you want to be optimistic, which I want to be, right? As a Big 12 fan, I want to see KU improve. I want to see them get competitive um, every week. That's what I want to see out of this team in this conference. But it's tough to not have that, you know, just kind of uh, queasy feeling after losing the final game of the year, 61-6. to That's a tough one to swallow. That's a really tough one to swallow. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So for TCU, my name association is Sunny. West Virginia, it's Stills. Texas Tech, it's Wells. KU, it is Brent. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, is one of the biggest stars in the Big 12 making a huge mistake? We'll explain next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and it's that time of year. Christmas and the holidays are here, and our friends at MyBookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. MyBookie's already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry, and this holiday season, they're getting into the spirit of giving with 12 straight days of giveaways. That's right, 12 days of gifts, a brand new gift every single day, so you can take your game to the next level. They kicked off the promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for the UFC, and they'll keep up the giving through the 25th on Christmas Day. Free bets, free spins, futures, and more. So as the college bowl season and all those Big 12 bowl games get underway, you don't want to miss it with mybookie.ag. When you use that promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, 
They'll also give you a 50% sign-up bonus. That's half of the money that you deposit in your account free. You don't have to unlock it. It's just right there, and you can use it. So get in mybookie.ag. Save during the holidays, something we all want to be doing. Mybookie.ag, our promo code BIG12. That's BIG12, and start winning today. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Let's hit on some uh, news and notes as we wrap up the uh, show today. Now, we'll get to all bowl game predictions uh, next week, at least for the games that are next week. So that's all coming next week. Don't worry about it. But this is kind of that that week in between those two weeks in between that not a whole lot's going on. So there is some uh, news to touch on, though. Chuba Hubbard says that he is going to play in the Texas Bowl. Now, this is something that we debated at uh, heartlandcollegesports.com. The whole crew chimed in on this. We did a little bit of a, a roundtable as to whether or not Chuba Hubbard should come back in 2020. So a bit of a different conversation, but a similar one to have. I'll tell you right now, and I respect Chuba Hubbard for playing in this game. I would not be playing in it if I was him. I'm not a pay-the-players, you know, uh, guy. I'm not. I'm not all in on that idea just yet. But I will say if you're Chuba Hubbard and you play a position that is arguably the most dangerous position in all of football and you've had the year that this guy has had and you can go to the NFL and you've said that you want to make money for your family, you go. You go and you can't play in the Texas Bowl against the Aggies. You can't do it. Especially when you know that, you know, your quarterback isn't going to play, right? Um, He's got the thumb injury. You know Tylen Wallace isn't going to play. You're the guy. Everyone's going to be locked in on you. You had 309 carries this year. I love you, Chuba Hubbard. And and I I don't want to discourage anybody from playing in these games. Like, I love the fact that he's playing. Selfishly, as a fan, I love the fact that he's playing. But I'm saying if if the roles were reversed and I was in his shoes and I was dealing with all this on a day-to-day basis like he is, I would come nowhere near, nowhere near the field for that Texas Bowl. I'm sorry I wouldn't do it. One fluke injury and what happens to you? You're damaged goods, especially at that position, you know, especially at that position. And that's what burns you. That's what burns you big time. It's not like Jalen Smith. Notre Dame guy gets banged up, still gets drafted. Now he's playing for the Cowboys as, you know, linebacker, defensive end kind of combo, right? If you're a running back and you blow out that knee, you're done, man. You're done. Nobody's going to want you. You're damaged goods. See ya. Sayonara. Uh, have a nice time doing something else with your life. I mean, that, that's that's the direction that people are going to take. And that pains me. It pains me big time. So I'm glad he's playing. I'm going to enjoy watching him. Going to have my TV on. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm going to be holding my breath for the guy. And here's the other problem, too. You can't play the game like that, right? You can't play the game being like, I'm going to play in this game, but try not to get injured. The minute you think about trying not to get injured is the minute you got to sit there and say to yourself, is this worth doing? And if I'm Chuba Hubbard, it's not. Sorry. Texas Longhorns hire uh, former Rutgers head coach Chris Ash as defensive coordinator. Now, 
I get it. People like to hire people they know, right? Tom Herman was the OC at Ohio State when they won that national title in 2014. Who was the defensive coordinator? It was Chris Ash. But, you know, and Chris Ash, and I know this as someone that uh, lived on the East Coast before coming here to Kansas City. I can tell you that Rutgers job is a total loser of a job. Uh, and, and Ash went 8-33 and in his three-plus seasons in New Jersey. But I, there's very little I saw from Chris Ash during his time at Rutgers that makes me think it makes sense to blow out Todd Orlando for this guy. Todd Orlando should still be employed, by the way. I mean, I don't think that firing Todd Orlando was the answer. You're telling me Todd Orlando in two years forgot how to coach football on the defensive side? I don't think so. You know, it's not like Mike Stoops at OU. Mike Stoops at OU had to go. Uh, it was becoming evident that the game in many ways had passed him by, the schemes had passed him by, and he wasn't getting the job done. Todd Orlando had an incredible first year, a really good second year, and this year was a bad year for the defense. But there were a lot of injuries, and yes, there were mistakes as well, but a lot of injuries. And I thought that Orlando deserved a year uh, like this where, you know, it was a stinker of a year. There's no doubt about it. It was a stinker of a year, but I thought he had built up the cachet for that. What I believe happened is Tom Herman felt the heat, and he's like, i got to make changes. This way people get off my back, and that's what he did. But I don't think Todd Orlando should have been blown out. Uh, now you bring in Chris Ash. Let's see what he does, right? I mean, let's let's see what he does. I I am hopeful for Texas. I like when Texas is good. It's better for the entire Big 12 when Texas is good. But I'm not sitting here and I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Blow out Todd Orlando, bring in Chris Ash. It's a no-brainer move. I, I don't think it is a no-brainer move. I, I just I don't, I don't think it's a no-brainer move. Sorry, that's just me. Uh, KU, Florida quarterback Felipe Franks visiting KU. If you recall, Franks was a four-star guy coming out of high school. Before his junior year, he committed to LSU when Les Miles was the head coach there. He ends up going to Florida because of Dan Mullen, and he's lost the starting job there. So now he's a grad transfer. I'd love to see what Felipe Franks could do at KU. With Puka Williams, with Brent Deerman, that could be a heck of a lot of fun. As much as Carter Stanley seems like a nice kid, I'm sure he's a fine young man. I, you know, the quarterback room is not exactly bursting with talent there in Lawrence. I'm sorry, it's just it's it's not. So, Felipe Franks. I mean, was he a little overhyped? Sure, you can make that argument, but let's be honest. A lot of highly rated quarterbacks have gone to Florida. And not a lot of them have performed at that same expected level since Tim Tebow. So maybe a change of scenery. Brent Deerman's offense will uh, do some good for Felipe Franks, but that would be a lot of fun. You know, if this KU team can can figure it out and just get respectable, this Big 12 is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous to try to work your way up through this conference because of the round robin. You know, there's no years where the schedule gets easy in the Big 12. There's none of that. Boy, it's going to be fun to watch if it does unfold the way I think it could unfold. So, Felipe Franks visiting KU. Big deal there. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. 
You guys are the best. Appreciate it. Bowl games getting underway next week. We'll have full previews for you then. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Leave that rating and review. We'll send you a free koozie when you send me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And don't forget our friends at Manscaped. Promo code heartland20 at manscaped.com. And mybookie.ag. Promo code big12. That's big one, too, for that 50% free money sign-up bonus. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for supporting our supporters. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.